Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. got the great Gurino here with me. How are you going, brother? I'm good, mate. Life's good. First time in eight weeks. The Broncos or the Maroons haven't won a game when I come in here Monday morning. Yep. It's tough. World's a little bit brighter today. It's uh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we've also got the great Timmy. How are you going, brother? Good, mate. Uh, on cloud nine after the last four or five days, been four or five of the best of my, my entire life. It's, <laughs> it was a long two weeks going into this weekend and, and to come out with four Blues victories, a ripping uh, set of international fixtures, I couldn't be happier, mate. Fucking hell, four Blues victories. <laughs> Fuck me dead. Maddie, how you going, bro? Bit, bit like the boys, um, finally happy to come in here on a Monday morning. Very relieved. Very relieved to go on to the decider at Suncorp. Man, it's yeah, and it was like such an impressive victory too. Forty-four to twelve. Guru was just saying it's the same margin as a couple of years ago when we went to Perth and you made all those changes. I mean, Freddie, you have to give it to him. I, there weren't very many pundits that were saying Freddie has made all the right decisions. You know, I, a lot of people thought the changes were too drastic, but once again, Freddie knows best and he makes the big calls and it's the right calls and he gets the job done. Uh, what an incredible moment for Freddie, and I guess. It's almost like we just got to stop doubting him. Like he, he clearly has a method to his madness. I, like I don't think we, we clearly can't see the inner workings and you know all the underlying reasons for the decisions, but he sees it and it works because what a performance by New South Wales. Uh, thoughts on Freddie's decisions and obviously paying off. Yeah, I thought uh, Matty Burton in particular that he brought into the side I thought that was unreal. I thought he was so good. You can just tell he's made for origin. Um, I think you said before, six tackle breaks in that game. Mm. Like, he's not the biggest, he's not the strongest, he's not the fastest. He just finds a way to have an impact on games. That that one bomb that he put up, oh. that was from his own 40-metre line on the left-hand side of the field. Tolong, he dropped it over his left shoulder in the mm. right-hand side corner. Crazy. Like, just unbelievable. I, I thought Burton was incredibly impressive. And I thought Nathan Cleary's bounce back was sensational. Sivitalikai didn't have to do too much, but played his role there. Wasn't really the sort of game for Siffa, but credit to Freddie. And as much as the Blues had a big win, and we'll talk about it, the decider is what this Origin series deserved. There, 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 there isn't that much between these two sides. Mm. So looking forward to game three. Timmy, what do you reckon? Yeah, you're spot on, mate. It's just... 
every time that you look like the Blues might be uh, going the wrong way of a scoreline or a series or that sort of thing, mm. you've just got to put your trust in, in Freddie, don't you? And we were saying it when the changes were made and we... To be fair, a few of the changes that were made we sort of would have had for game one anyway, but mm. you're just sitting there going, we've been in this position before, Freddie's got us out of trouble, so just yeah. put your faith in him, put your faith in him, and yep. uh, he's done it again. So again, only the job's only halfway done, there's one more to come, so if we don't win that one, it'll mean nothing, but yep. uh, we're back on track. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, because like, let's say you go up there game three, all of a sudden the questions come back up of, well, Freddie, did he make the right decisions? Yeah. But I just think that... Yeah. The guts, the guts to make the calls that he did. It's just incredible to do it again as well. Like, some, you, part of me, part of him, you've you got to assume it's like, he's sitting there going, look, can this work twice? Like, it worked a few years ago, but making mass changes mid, you know, origin camp, can it work again? Going to Perth. Uh, but yeah, look, they were masterstrokes because the guys he brought in, Burton was outstanding. Talk <laughs> about the big moments. And it, it won't get talked about a lot, but that pickup, like for Cleary kick, that was a tough pickup in traffic, basically running at full pace. You've got to stay calm and concentrate for that. And it would be very easy for Burden on his debut to let the moment get to him. Like, oh my God, oh my God, this is happening kind of thing. And some, and that happens to some rookies. Like this, a moment is about to approach and all they're thinking in their head is like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Rather than staying calm, you know, focus on the ball, get your job done. Don't focus on fending people after whatever. Focus on your main job, which is just making sure you grab that ball. He did that, scores a try. And then he goes to his uh, little tip on uh, to, to oh, again, very easy for those moments to go begging. Very easy for a player to put it this way. Let's say he does that tip on and he throws it a little bit behind Toa. I don't think people would be sitting there going, oh, shocking play from, from Burton. They would be like, oh, damn, it just didn't come off. That's a hard play to make. Instead, we're all sitting there going, you know, what an incredible play, and he made it look easy. And that's a sign of a, just a special player. Then obviously he comes out 30, 41st minute, oh, well, not even the 41st minute, like 50 seconds in the second half, puts up a massive, massive bomb and sets the tone for the second half. Then he takes the run before Lewis try. He also has a one-on-one -on -one steal. Honestly, when it comes to debuts, it's right up there. It's right up with, with some of the best debuts. Like very rarely, I would argue, you could find a debutante that had that much hand in points scored for a team. I, I think it was even more impressive as well because his first touch, he hit the ball over the sideline. Mm. Like that, that could have rattled him yeah. very early and he just bounced back from it. I was so impressed with him and... Uh, I'm sure, sure we'll talk about what we're going to do for game three later, but I don't think you can possibly leave him out of that side. Well, you've just New South Wales have got the the envious position of having two of the best players on the park, White in game one, Burton game two. They've got to also have Latrell, one of the best Origin players we've seen of the generation of this generation. Thoughts on um, Matty Burton, Timmy? Yeah, he was stunning, wasn't he? And, and I think what's probably overlooked in all of it is that just the fact that he's done it at centre. This is a bloke who's played in the halves, coming up through the grades, basically his entire career. And we know with that season with Penrith last year where he did it as a centre, mm. but he was playing out of position. And it's one thing to do it in a Red Hot Panther side uh, at NRL level, but then to step up and do it at origin level, having a game played in the halves all season for the Bulldogs, mm. like that transition is not easy to do. I think we mm. touched on it a couple of weeks ago that it's not a winger going to centre or a winger going to fullback, a, a second row going into the middle. like. Going from halves to centre, it's a completely different position. Yeah, so absolutely. To come in and dominate the way he did and just slot in so seamlessly. He just looked unflustered from the yep. word go. Um, as I said, it makes for some big decision calls for game three if Latrell comes back well in the NRL for the Bunnies, but good spot to be in. Mate. Especially for Burton too when you've got like, – Dane Gagai was marking him. Mm. One of the best outside backs Origin 
has ever seen. Mm. It's a very tough gig, and Burton did sensationally well. Yeah, well, he won the battle. And, and you know, we, we see, like, veteran centres come into Origin and be quiet. Like, specialists play there every week, kill it at club. We see them come into Origin, and they don't really do much at all. Burton comes in first game. And, and to impact the game from centre, you know how hard that is? Like, you, you, you don't get put in a position to do that. And yet he somehow has brought this kind of new flavour of, you know, being a six but being able to place uh, in the centres, being able to impact the game much more. Uh, what do you think of Matty Burton, Matt? Yeah, I th- you go back to um, debutants, and, I, and for, for New South Wales, I can't really think of someone who's who's done that since probably... I know Frizzell had a really good debut a few years ago, but like in terms of like like contribution to points, Matty Burton, he just looks like he was made for that origin position. Obviously for Queensland, he got Munster and Pong in the last few years, but... Yeah, he just, he just looked like he fit in that Origin team, and like, yeah, whenever he got the ball to put up a big, a big, a big bomb, Oof. I know I, I got genuinely excited. It was it was great to watch. It's such a weapon to have that bomb because it's like you're going from usually it's like oh we we're losing the ball now now we've got to defend. You create like a essentially like a fifty fifty chance of going straight back into attack. And it's, oh mate, it's just, he's just offers so much there. I can't see how you would drop, drop him. Plus he covers so many positions. Uh, yeah, what a debut. I'm trying to think of other debuts. Like you've got Kalen Ponger off the bench. You've got Munster. Latrell Mitchell, I think his debut was pretty good. You've got like Brett Hodgson. Anthony Minicello had good debuts too. Mm. But you know, Matt Burton would have to be, right? I was just thinking last night, like imagine being Toalangi when you're the left winger standing back on your own 10. Mm. And the left-hand side <laughs> centre gets the ball on their 40. Yeah. And it goes over your head. It's crazy. Crazy. And, and also, like, th- that bomb was almost... Because it, like, changed in the air and went over his head rather than dipping... Because usually a torpy bomb, it'll dip... It'll come down and it'll dip back towards the attacking team. So away from you towards the attacking team. That dipped over his head and back that way. So to be like moving backwards to make the catch, it's almost impossible. So it's such a weapon to have. Yeah, Burton was outstanding. And I tell you what, I mean, look, sorry, Bulldogs, we've got to get into it. But there were reports this week of him saying that he's not going to take up his option. Again, it's just reports, guys. But I tell you what, with performances like that, he'd almost be a bit crazy to be taking up options. He signed that deal with the Doggies uh, before he even played much first grade. Yep. Now, he's a bona fide origin star. What were we going to say, Matty? So I was just going to pretty much mirror what you just said. I was just going to say he, that contract was signed before. Like, he's not that market value anymore. So, like, why would he, why would he take out that option? I, there's every chance he'll sign with the Bulldogs again. But I just think he'll ask for more money. Mm. Well, mate, he could be worth anything now. Realistically, like especially if, if in two weeks' time they go up to Suncorp and he puts in a similar performance, he could like he could absolutely skyrocket. Do we know what he signed for at the Bulldogs on that deal? It's about half a half a mil, I think. Maybe yeah. maybe just a tick over half a mil. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean. What do you do if you're the doggies? Are you already open to negotiations about long-term deals, all that great stuff? I think you probably have to. Yeah. No, it's Because, uh, again, <laughs> it's one thing to do at a club. You're doing that at Origin. You, you're almost writing your own check. I mean, again, sorry, Bulldogs fans, but what clubs do you think would be interested? <laughs> Just about all of them. Well, what clubs could re- reasonably be interested? Well, I mean, straight away, the one that comes to me and it always comes to me is the Melbourne Storm if they do manage to lose. Mm. A monster, yeah. for example. Uh, like, if you were to sign him, 
would you sign him as a five eight or, or as a center? Would you? Oh, definitely five eight. Definitely yeah, five eight. Sign him center. Fuck. I mean, fuck. He's pretty handy at center though, mate. Like he's not. Like, but, I, yeah, but then you're just wasting your cap. Yeah. You know, putting a guy on 800k out in the centres, even 500k is a fucking fair whack for a centre. You're only paying, you're probably playing Joey Manu five to 600k, maybe. I don't. Matter of fact, I don't think he would be even on that. He'd probably be on Joey Manu. Be on about 500, I reckon. Definitely playing him at six. I tell you, like for some reason, I can just see him at Cronulla next to Nico Hines. Ooh, that would be scary. Fuck, do you imagine Jesus. those two blokes coming at you? Um, I will say, playing massive Devils advocate, massive Devils advocate. Although the doggies have bounced back. Uh, if you were going to make him your marquee signing, at the moment, the doggies aren't a top eight side. So you could make the argument of like, look, is he worth paying huge, huge amounts when we're not sure whether he can lead a team into finals footy? Now, clearly, we, we know he will be able to do that. Look how good the doggies have been the last few weeks. But it is just a massive devil's advocate question. What do you reckon, Matty? Do you reckon the doggies are confident in, in keeping with a guy like Gus Gould at the club? It's, I mean, it's really hard to predict down the track, isn't it? And... I just all I hope is that and Matty Burton seems like such a legend mm. like such a good bloke he looks like a bloke who'd be loyal where possible um, mm. often well he kept with his deal he could have I mean he could have made it hard to leave Penrith after winning that premiership mm. exactly and, and often money will dictate the decision rightly so for obvious reasons particularly for a young bloke who's starting off his career but I just hope that if you know if he doesn't initially take up the option and, and wants more money which would be fair enough uh, and that money big money thrown at him from across the nrl which it will be that if the doggies can somehow like they're about to match the offer that he goes you know what you showed faith in me after a handful of nrl games mm. and you know gus gore to the dogs that'll help <coughs> dramatically um i hope he sits back and goes you've shown faith in me i'll return that favor by Yes, you might up my contract by two hundred thousand a year, mm. but you know I'll give away fifty or hundred grand elsewhere to stay with you lot. Yeah. Um, and you know you wouldn't knock him either way, wherever he does it, whichever way he goes. But I, it'd kill me to see him leave the dogs um, mm. where they're looking. I now. will say I, I, I really do hope fans don't get off Burton for not taking up his option. You know what I mean? Like he's not doing anything illegal. He's not breaking contract. He's doing what's in his within his rights, and he would almost be crazy to take his option up now that he's playing as well as he you know is playing. I actually think the doggies keep him. I think they do because I just think the way they've been playing with and they got the fox there. They look happy. The boys are all whooping up after every try. They they just look like a different side. I actually think with Reed Marnie coming with. Uh, Viliami Kikau, I think the doggies keep him and I think that he looks happy there. Uh, well, I was just about to say that, that if you are Burton, you are looking around going, we're about to get a premier hooker. Mm. I've got arguably one of, if not the best winger in rugby league on my mm. edge. I'm getting Kikau, who I've already won a premiership with on that edge. Yeah. As much as there's better teams around, am I going to be in a better situation than the edge I'm going to have? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, if the, put it this way, if the dogs lost Trent Barrett and didn't kick on the way they were, I would say it's going to be really, really hard to to convince him to stay because it's just not happy when you're getting pumped every single week. It's just not a good place to be at. You'd almost take a pay cut to be away from that and winning footy games. Like, you know, imagine being a part of the storm. Basically every week, yeah, you work your ass off and you earn it. No, there's no denying that. But every week you're walking in and you're getting wins. You go to another club and, you, you know, you're losing every week. So I, I, I actually think the doggies keep him. I th actually think it would be smart career-wise to stay the dog doggies because if he manages to bring them into the eight, then it's another upgrade, you know? Like, if he, if he goes to a club that is already really good and they're already in the eight, you could put in the resume, look, is he a front-runner player? Whereas if he takes the dogs 
from outside the eight, wooden spooners, all the way into the eight, not only will be loved by the Bulldogs community, like absolutely loved, but it just drives his value up even more. There's not too many better communities to be loved by. A hundred percent. They'll take care of the doggies yeah, for community. And, for sure. And so, you know, they've also got the Laundy Group as a part of the dogs. Uh, Laundy Group is a great group. They, they're in the Locker Room Hotel outside uh, Accor Stadium that we did our live show at. Great venue. Make sure to get down there. Uh, perfect before Accor Stadium games. Uh, the Laundy Group is a big group. So when it comes to influence and, and all that kind of stuff, they'll have that. So although Doggies fans, this is what I think is happening. This is what I think is happening. So just to ease your, your fluttering heart right now, I personally think that the Doggies... And Matt Burton, the doggies are aware of Matt Burton's situation. And I think the doggies expected this. I think they expected like, he probably wasn't going to take his option up. Even if he didn't play New South Wales, I think the doggies expected he wouldn't take his option up. Even, maybe even before he got to the club. Because again, he went from a couple games to, this kid could be great, like he could be really good, to a premiership Dallium centre. And so I think they expected it regardless. And I think the doggies would have prepared for this. Uh, you look at their salary cap, it's, it doesn't look bent out of shape. Uh, it doesn't look like they've got, you know, a bunch of pl- like players on a million dollars that are going to take his contract. They've, it looks like they've set themselves up for the ability to play they pay their main half at least 800k. Again, I don't know their books, but that's what it looks like. They don't have these big million dollars. Now, look, maybe they spent over to read money and kick out. I'm not sure. So I reckon the dogs are prepared for this. I think Burton isn't taking up his option, but that isn't him saying, I don't want to stay. That's him saying, no, I'm actually worth more there. I want to stay, but you've got to upgrade me. And I think that the doggies and him will go through the negotiations and he'll, I think, I will be surprised if by the end of this year, the doggies haven't extended him. I would only be surprised. It would also be interesting to see who's going to be the long-term coach there. Mm. I tell you, I like Potter. <sighs> I like him. He's been fucking like, look how good they've been. Mm. I, I would if I'm if I'm the dogs, I'm I'm giving Potter another year, just a year. Be patient, because on top of that, let's say let's say Potter can get you into the eight. Let's just say he could do that. Then you may be able to go to Seraldo or these next young gun coaches and say, look, we're we're a club on the up. You know, we're a club that's going all right. And I think Potter, what do you got there? Just on Burton, I just cast your mind back to last April. Um, he signed the deal pre-season, or maybe even the year before. And remember there was all those talks about um, backflip, like that he might want to backflip on the deal and stay with the Panthers. And well, first was, it was release early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was just like, nah, fuck it. I signed the contract, I'm saying. So he's obviously a very loyal guy. Yeah. So that I just I feel that he's already he's already given the Bulldogs that. The player option, He's you're right, he's probably just trying to bump his value off a bit, which well, he, he's he, marked yeah, value. And rightly so. Rightly and so. I think the dogs would have prepared for this. I think after they watched him go from a fringe first grader to Dally M centre, I think they would have sat down and go, boys, there's no way he's taking this option up. There's no way we, we need to prepare for this. Um, and also I think Gus Gould is such a, a savvy operator. He'll move players on to keep him. Um, so I, you know, I know I brought up him going on the open market and, and who knows what will happen. But I, I think Doggy's fan at the moment, I'd be confident. He looks happy there. His game, he looks like he's improving. Um, you know, and to what you just said, during that year, he could have easily, if he had gone to the, let's say he signed that contract and then he gets halfway through the year against at, at the Penrith and he's playing really well. If he had gone to the Bulldogs and said, I'm not coming, the, the dogs probably would have had to just cop that decision because they would have said, look, we need to make a call now because if, if he is not going to come or this is going to drag out, we lose time in, in getting that money into someone else's, you know, a better half across to the club. And, but he clearly didn't do that. He clearly stuck, he stuck to his guns, stuck to the contract that he signed. So, yeah, uh, look, 
the good thing is, is the dogs, a wooden spoon side, now have a game-changing origin player leading them around. Mm. How many years has it been since that's been the case at the club? Long time. And this is where also having Phil Gould in their room yeah. is going to make such a difference. Uh, if he's the guy that's able to keep Matt Burton there, it's, yeah. it's franchise-changing. Right? Yeah. And, and, like, the Gus Gould can sit him down and be like, you know, he's – you know, stick with me, the connections that he has, all of that stuff, it all matters. When it comes to the biggest players, the big dogs that are game changers don't stay with clubs unless the clubs, you know, are all connected up higher than just rugby league. Um, Gundad Timmy, does he stay? I, I think he does. Mm. And the point you touched on there is that they've signed him on his 500k or whatever he's on this season. It's not like he's a rookie that's on 200k mm. and they've signed Kikau and mm. Marnie and these other boys and they need to find another 600k in their cap. Mm. It's like, well, if they're upgrading, they're only going from the 500 to, say, seven mm. or 800. Like, mm. it's, you can find that in your cap mm. for a bloke like Burton. Yeah, absolutely. So on the back of that, as Maddie pointed out, it comes across as <laughs> a loyal bloke. Um, I, I would be surprised if he left the Bulldogs and yeah. I think it'd take... And take a pretty ridiculous offer from elsewhere for him to leave that club. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, you could look at the Tigers. Maybe they're in a position to make a, a, a huge offer. But then you, if you're, you know, Burton, you're sitting there going, you know, it's a tough mm. tough club to go to right now. Uh, yeah, so look, I, I definitely think they keep him. I really do. Because as you said, it's a great point. It's, let's say it's 300K. And this is no disrespect to a fringe player. Like at times I was a fringe player. It's like that's literally just one fringe player. Like that's going to one of your fringe forwards that you may have signed for a little bit of overs and saying, mate, can you find somewhere else? Not very hard to do. Oh, I mean, they've just let go of Paul Vaughan. It looks like Matt Dufty's going to leave. Yeah, that's so a fair bit of there. Away. They've got yep. the coin there. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, really exciting times for New South Wales. Extremely exciting for times for Bulldogs because this is, this is the things that you need to go your way as a club to get yourself off the bottom of the table. It's like young gun players like this performing on the big stage. Imagine how good he's going to be when he gets back to, to club land. Oh. Going to be so confident, so, so confident. So, incredible Burton. Uh, now, let's talk about Nathan Cleary. Last week, he was the worst bloke in all of New South Wales. He couldn't play big games. We want a Munster. Why don't we have a Munster? This week, he's a bloody hero again. We knew this. Like, can we please put to bed the, the, the nonsense that we aren't convinced yet that Cleary... <laughs> is an elite, one of the great, like one of the best halfbacks we've seen in a long time. It is put to bed, guys. Like he may have one game where he's quiet. This guy is on track to be one of the best sevens we've seen in a few years. Like seriously, can we put this to bed? Is it put to bed finally, you reckon, or what? Or if they come out game three and they lose, all of a sudden Cleary can't play big games anymore? I think there's too many people out there that don't like Nathan Cleary mm. and are out there waiting for him to stumble. Like a tall poppy thing. He's yeah, so mate, good. Yeah, exactly what it is. Mm. It's 100% Because he's what never it done is. anything wrong. Never mm. done anything wrong. Like a fuck. He's he did a dance on TikTok. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> he did a bloody dance on TikTok. <laughs> you look at what he's done. He's 24 years old. Yeah. Doing what he's doing at 24. Uh, you know, I've said it before. Like, like, Joey wasn't doing these things at 24. Freddie wasn't doing these things at 24. 24 years old. Freddie had just moved into the halves. He was playing out in the centres before that. You know, Joey at Newcastle, for me, that was Matty Johns' team, not Andrew Johns' team. Nathan Cleary's side is his. Mm. And it's becoming one of the most dominant sides mm. we've ever seen. Yeah. And to back your point up, and he doesn't get enough credit for this, and I, I feel like I say it every second week, when he took over as the guy, there was one origin player in that side. It was Nathan Cleary. Now there is like seven or eight origin players in that side. He's a huge reason for that. And when he took over as the guy... The guy before him was James Maloney. The mm. one guy in the comp that you need to win, apparently, for the yeah. 10 years before that. Yeah. And Nathan Cleary just steps out of that shadow. Yep. 
and it, it's incredible. incredible. It's it's so impressive what he's done. And there was a moment in that game last night where very Thurston-esque, where he he got the ball about thirty five meters out, and he just dabbed it into the corner and forced oh, it. Oh, it's beautiful, yeah. it's beautiful like, kick. If that goes short, Nathan Cleary's a moron. If yeah. it goes too long, Nathan Cleary's an idiot. Yeah. He had to come up with the perfect kick for that perfect moment on fourth tackle, and he nailed it. Like dime kind of I haven't stuff. seen someone hit that kick in Origin outside of oh. Thurston used to do it every fucking game because yeah, he's, he's so a good. freak. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the first time I've seen someone else do it in the Origin arena yeah. since JT. And as a defending side, it's torture because yeah. there's nothing you can do about it. Like, if as a defending team, if you execute everything perfectly, your best result is a repeat set that you have to fucking defend again. And that's all from just a pinpoint clearing kicking game. I mean, what I loved about Cleary's game is that we saw the evolution of a Cleary from two years ago. Now, I, when I did the NRL TikTok thing the other night, I, I showed footage of the 2020, is it 20 grand final Storm versus, Man- yep. uh, Storm Storm versus Panthers? Yeah. And basically what I was showing was is the amount of kick pressure and flustering Cleary out of his game, taking him out of his rhythm. And I actually thought the first half of game two, Queensland did a really good job of, of taking Cleary's rhythm and you know really stuffing up his his momentum and shooting out of line but then sometimes staying back but what I loved about Cleary's game too is he didn't allow that to take him away from his processes and he he understood as a more mature player that the points will come I just got to stick at it don't go crazy don't need to make the big play just stick at the processes stick at the processes if they're going to start shooting out of line of me maybe I need to run the ball more what do you know? Second half, he decides to start running the ball. All of a sudden, those same players that are shooting up out of the line, take time off him, are slipping over on ice skates because they're shooting too hard. Um, you know, so it was just a, it was a mature, a really mature performance from, from Cleary. What did you think about it, Timmy? Yeah, I thought it was, with all like the criticism of him after game one, I like to think it's one of them cases of the small minority very, having a very loud voice on social media. Yeah. I don't... I know that within this room and, and within speaking to all my mates and my footy-minded mates, none of them are knocking Nathan Cleary and questioning his ability and you know his legacy at 24 years old and what mm. he's capable of doing. So I do think it was a small minority. Uh, and you're right. I was jotting down my notes in the game last night. First 20 minutes, I had Blues fifth tackle options. They, they weren't finishing sets well at all, a few mm. off kicks. Uh, and then basically, basically what allowed that kick pressure to be relieved and whatnot was that they started to win the middle off the back of Junior Polo coming on and absolutely just turning the game on its head, which yeah. we'll get to a bit more later. So when we started to win the middle, clearly had a bit more time, but if essentially it, it changed, once the game, his kicking game yeah. and the influence of Matty Burton's kicking game as well, they're yeah. incredible. That fourth tackle repeat set that he got, I think it was the set before that. He nearly hit the 40-20 on fifth tackle as well. Oh, Cobber yep. had to dive that to get back in. Yeah. Liam Martin put an unreal chase in to chop him down. Yes, he missed it, but did the damage. Mm. Um, so that kicking game of Cleary was just exceptional. Then the running game spoke for itself, didn't it? Um, mm. Yeah. yeah. It, it, was, it was a performance for the ages. Yeah, it was so, so good. And just calm, mature, didn't allow to get flustered. I think in game one, Queensland kind of flustered him a little bit. Um, it was smart too. New South Wales did some really good tactics by putting, I think it was maybe Hello Sport that I was sh- like showing how you put the you put your two front rowers beside the play of the ball, making it harder for markers to to make their. If you get in their line, obviously it takes them longer to get to Cleary. I thought uh, New South Wales did that really well, and it's it's legal as long as they don't change their line. It's legal, so there's nothing. Like it wrong was with non-existent it. in game one. Literally, I yeah, it. yeah, 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 and that's why, I was, you know, like people were kind of saying, oh, Queensland. Well, 
there was some saying Queensland were kind of lying in the right game one. I was kind of like, I, I just think that New South Wales probably didn't prepare properly tactically for the way Queensland played. I think game two, we could see there was a clear tactical change from New South Wales to protect themselves from those certain things. Even like of the selection of Burton, like coming out and doing that bomb first minute of the second half. So a great, great performance by, by Cleary. Um, he's the guy going forward. It's just a scary prospect to think that he's 24. He's got at minimum another conservatively another eight years, like conservatively uh, in rugby league, but he was outstanding. Um, what did you think of uh, Nathan Cleary, Matty? Going back to uh, before about the big game, like he's literally, his right boot won us, once won us, won Penrith the grand final last year. He's won, yeah, last night wasn't his first man of the match in Origin. He's won three Origin series. Like does he literally have to win a decider at Suncorp, which has happened twice ever for Blues, and win a World Cup at the end of the year for people to say that he's a big game player? Oh, it's crazy. Like what more does he have to, like once he does those two things, there's literally nothing else he can do. Yeah, but they'll just keep kicking the can down. The, you know, what, what it'll be then, it'll be, oh, look at the team around him. Like, it'll, it'll be, for example, like last year, the, the record-winning series, it wasn't Cleary, it was Tedesco, it was uh, Tom Dvojevic, it was uh, Latrell Mitchell. It, it'll just, they'll just keep kicking the can down the road where you get to a point where you just go, my God, like, this guy's a 24-year-old. He's won three Origin series. He, he may win four by the end of this year. So let's say at 24 years old, he's won four Origin series, He's had a record last two and a half years. Let's say that Penrith continue doing this. They look like they're going to. He's had a record last three years. He's been in a grand final, won a grand final. Like, he, his last three years has been, you could, you could argue, can't be better. Like, outside of going back to back. He's come second in the Dalian medal. Twice. Two years in a row. Yeah. And he should have won it in 2020. He absolutely should have won it in 2020. Yeah. Like... Uh, it's it's unbelievable what, what he's doing. Yeah. What more could he possibly do? If he do? goes to Suncorp and he does win that game and he plays a big role in it, it's going to elevate him to a level that, fuck, some people are going to be filthy. They're going to be filthy at it. But I, I do think, like, right now, I think he is... I, he's going to He's great. But I think, like, when you go stepping into that next echelon of players, I do believe you need those moments, yeah. those, those huge moments against all odds, a Joey Johns 2005, a Freddie Fittler coming back to origin, a Darren Lockyer, uh, you know, scoop up of a, a bad pass, uh, Cam Smith going down. To, you know what I mean? Those moments where it's it's a step above what a normal player could do. We, we spoke about it at the live show for those that were there, that halves, the great halves, they own an origin series or a final series. Mm. I would argue that last year, clearly, like, their attack was a little bit down. So mm. I'm not going to look back at the 2021 NRL final series and go... That was Nathan Cleary's mm. final series. Like how I look back to 2001 and go, that was Joey's series. Mm. Look back to 92, 93, that was Alfie Langer's series. But this, this Origin series, you know, after that performance in Game 2, if he goes to Suncorp and wins in Game 3, yeah. I think this will be the series we look back and go, fuck, that was Nathan Cleary's yeah. series. That's when he came of age. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. And I think that what what is kind of backs that point up is, is he's had to fight adversity within the series. Like he didn't just come in with a red hot side and fucking blow us off the park. He came in and had Cam Smith, Billy Slater and Jonathan Thurston, these masterminds sitting there going, we know how to shut him down. At least for a game, we know how to shut him down. Shutting him down and then Cleary coming back and going, no, no, we're going to... Uh, we're going to fight back with our own way against your greatness with our greatness, Freddie Fittler, those minds. That's what I love about this origin is we're seeing ex-greats battle it yep. in the in the coaching boxes and we're seeing yep. future greats battle it on the field. Uh, what do you think, Timmy? Yeah, and then it's an exciting, and you say, like, oh, 
what does he have to do to be regarded as one of the greats? And we say that preemptively in that, you know, he's 24 yeah, years old. We understand it's going to take time. But in the next five months, we're going to get an origin decider at Suncorp Stadium. Huge opportunity for him to do that. More than likely, probably another NRL grand final uh, attempt, at least. Put it this way, it'd be a disappointing year if they don't make the grand yeah, final. with the opportunity to go back-to-back. Obviously, Roosters did it. Before that, it was the Broncos 92-93. And then a World Cup at the end of the year, which we'll get to later, but looks like it, it should be the closest World Cup in terms of competition so we've probably ever seen. This is the most I've ever been excited for a World Cup. So By far and away. Yeah. Yeah. So Cleary has what should be three massive opportunities to be like, I'm the man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's a great point. Now, we have to, I'll ask a question then. Is the jury out? Is he the Australian seven? Like, are we all, is DC still got a shot at it? Cleary has to be the Australian seven. I think the series out. has probably yeah. sealed it. Yeah, and you reckon this series seals it? 100% clear he's the halfback. Has okay. to be. What do you reckon? He was the Australian halfback last year, if there was a game. But no, zero doubt he should be the number seven for Australia. Zero doubt. Yeah, look, I, I actually, even before this Origin series, um, I felt that he, it was, it's his time now. I think it's, I think they've, they probably would have selected him early with all the, everything that's going on with all the you know the restrictions or whatever. But I just think that regardless of what happens in this Origin series, it's now as as an as Australia we need to we need to step into the new era. And I think Cleary is the new era um, for our seven. And he's twenty four. He's not young anymore. He's not eighteen. What do you got there? Oh, I was going to go off topic a little bit. I just remembered a uh, conversation that we all had maybe two months ago yeah. about the Australian hooker. Yeah. I reckon that is a fantastic question now. Who's yeah. going to be number nine and probably on the bench for Australia? Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, Harry Grant at club has been outstanding, but I do think that uh, it's not a sure thing, the nine. We'll, we'll get to the nine. We'll get Sorry. to the nine. Um, but, yeah, I think with Cleary, you've got to put him in there. You've got to just make the decision of we're going in. It's not, it's not like DC is playing shockingly or anything like that. It's more just like... If you're not going to make the choice to bring Cleary in, when are you going to make that choice? Like, so I do believe he... I think keep DC in the squad to help mentor him, um, for sure. But, yeah, I think Cleary gets a nod. As, as, uh, like, I'm so excited for this World Cup, but if we get there and we've got a Cleary-Munster halves combination, mm. <laughs> fuck, they're going to be hard to top. Yeah. The form they're both in at the moment. Yeah, very hard. The only thing that'll be interesting is to see if they can click, if mm. they can really complement each other, because we've seen so many times two gun halves get together and they, they struggle, I, I actually think they will click. But that's the biggest question is like, will Cleary need to be the main guy calling the shots? It's all like he's all over everything. Or, you know, will Munster – I think that Munster will be able to like give him that to let him – because like DCE is the main guy too at his club. But, yeah, if, if they're both on, it's tough. And, and we'll get to it. But I tell you what, Brown Hughes, I don't mind, I don't mind yeah. that. I don't mind that at all. Um, I think Munster and Cleary will be perfect because mm. we know that uh, that Munster likes to roam around, play a bit of off-cuff footy and mm. whatnot. Cleary's sitting there running the show and Munster's just going, I'll be wherever I want to be and if mm. I'm out of position, like Cleary's got this yeah. sorted. He'll get yeah. us around the park. He's kicking mm. games there. Not that Munster wouldn't be there for any reason, but yeah. he will just roam and say, pop up all over the show. I think they'll be perfect for each other. Yeah, like, I agree. It, it'll probably take a little bit of time naturally, but yeah. that's the beauty of a World Cup. There's time to build into it come semi-final, final time. Mm. And just to go uh, another uh, deeper layer, you've got Nathan Cleary right foot, Cam Munster left foot. Yeah. Yeah, really, like it's, it's a great combo. It's a perfect yeah. combo. Look, I, I, I think they, they are going to fit for sure. It's just, that's the only question for yeah. me. You know, like yeah, literally. Because it hasn't been answered yet. Exactly, yeah. 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 We, we just don't, we don't know. And sometimes, 
for some weird reason. It might, it might even be personality. Like, I'm not saying that it would be, but sometimes personalities can just clash and you just don't get... Wouldn't that be a that. huge opportunity for Jerome Hughes just to stand up and show everyone? Mate, could you imagine he, <laughs> yeah. Jerome Hughes goes to does, World Cup? If he does, I won't be fucking shocked. Like, if Jerome Hughes <laughs> goes to World Cup and beats Australia, fuck. <laughs> it's, it puts a spanner in the work of, like... The seven, you know, in in the in the world. I mean, and I'm not. He's not there yet, in my opinion. He's still number two for me. Um, but I tell you what, if if, the, if New Zealand, anyway, we'll get to New Zealand. We'll get to it. Get to it. Um, and also, we'll get to that nine selection decision as well. Uh, but some other standout performance. Junior Bolo, absolutely outstanding, and just a wrecking ball when he bumped Kalen Ponga like that. First of all, massive respect, Kalen, fucking to to put his body on the line like that. Like if he doesn't stop him with his body like that. I know it was a speed bump, but it was an effective speed bump because it yep. just stopped him enough to not score the try. Um, oh yeah, I think Junior Bolo was absolutely fantastic. I was probably one of, matter of fact, it might've been one of his best games at Origin. Um, he brought a lot of energy. He brought, he lifted the pace of the game that we just didn't seem to be able to go with. Whereas game one, I thought Carrigan did that um, for us. I thought Carrigan was outstanding too for Queensland. Uh, but I want to have a quick chat about one of the greats. Jake Travojevic. I can't be more happy for one of the good guys of the game. And I'll be first to admit, I would have probably selected him. I understand, understood why some would have had his position under pressure at game one. I understand it. The game has changed a bit. It's a fast pace. Manly, you know, he hasn't been allowed to kind of flourish sometimes the way he would. I understand that argument. But... As a Queenslander, he's getting picked every day of the week. Like, there's never a Queensland side where Jake Javoyevision isn't getting picked. Because, and, and I know New South Wales, some fans hate to hear this, but to, we, it seems like we tend to appreciate guys like Jake Javoyevich. And what I loved about his performance last night is that we always knew he had the grit, but he actually was explosive. He was fast. He suited the modern game. Matter of fact, if you took away his name and everything like that and you just said ex-player is playing right now, you would be like, this is a modern forward. This is a modern front rower. He can ball play. He's quick on his feet. He's good laterally. These are his stats. A guy that some, some thought, and I understand why they thought that, some thought the game had passed him by. 148 metres, 61 post contact, 31 tackles, zero misses. Matter of fact, he was the only player outside of Brian Toor, who only made two tackles, so it doesn't really matter, um, and Tupu, who only made two tackles, like wingers, doesn't really matter. Outside of that, he was the only player in the New South Wales starting side to not miss a tackle. Think about that. The only player in your starting side to not miss a tackle. But not only that, he ran for the most metres of any forward on the field. Incredible. In, any starting forward on the field. Yeah, any forward on the field. So Jake Travojevic statistically in both stats, not just a tackling machine, not just a guy that goes out there and fills holes. He was outstanding. Uh, Timmy, thoughts on Jake Travojevic? Yeah, look, I was not happy about it, but I was uh, very critical of the selection a week ago. And off the back of that, four in f he's only passed 100 metres in a game, running metres for Manly, in four of his 15 games this season, wow. with a top of 120 metres. Wow. He came out in an origin game, having mm. won his spot back and ran for 148 metres. So talk about answering the critics, like that is emphatic. Uh, and, and even outside of that, you touched on it last week, sort of these intangibles that you can't measure mm. in <coughs> football players and particularly representative players. And, you know, Jake Chaboyevich, what he's done for that side to come in, you know, just like even every like 
diehard Queensland fan couldn't be upset by Jake Trojevich coming no. in and doing what he did last night. I think everyone's so happy for the nicest bloke in the NRL. Yeah. Uh, it was terrific. Mm. How about at the end of the game when he was walking around with his team? He looked like fucking Lunar Park. He was just <laughs> so happy. And I to tell be you there. what, we'll get the footage up. Walks into the change room. Teddy knows who the big king is. Teddy walks over to him, he puts a beer in his hand. Jake Trevojevic goes, tunk, boom, skulls the whole thing and sits down. And you're like, what a fucking man. Like, what a man, what a bloke. He goes out, works his ring off, walks straight. Like, literally, it was as he walked. So he walked straight into the changing room, made a beeline to sit down with the boys. As he walks in, Teddy literally got a can, walked over him, gave it to him, and he just went, boom, and just necked it in front of everyone and put it down like it was nothing. What a knock. What a knock. What do you think of Jack Trevojevic? And no, I, I know you were kind of a little bit in the camp of, not to put words in your mouth, but a little bit in the camp you thought maybe Freddie had thought that the game had passed Jakey by. No, no, I, that, that's exactly what I thought. I, I would have had him in my game one side, but when Freddie didn't pick him, I sat there and went, okay, I understand what Freddie's doing here. Mm. And then I thought it was strange that he brought him back from game two, yeah. full game two. But mm. as I said last week, I would never sit there and criticise him because I know he's going to fucking pull my pants down, make me look stupid. Yep. And last night was just what Origin's all about. I thought there was a tackle he made on Caelan Ponga that no one's even spoken about. Mm. It's off the charge down early and KP was through. He had support either side of him. They would have gone the length and Jake just held onto his shorts for mm. just two or three seconds yep. and it just tripped KP up. And I, like well, it's KP just was those, about to offload. He was, a bit, he was he about to give, yeah, yeah, but because he held on just that yeah. extra second, yeah. forced him to the ground, and they they, they would have, I think it was DCE that was on his inside, they would have gone away and scored, or at least got on the front foot and yeah. turned it into points there. So, well done to Jake. Uh, yeah, I, I did understand where Freddie was going, and I didn't really push back on it either, mm. to be honest with you. Yeah. But once again, Origin, it's a different beast. I thought that stat that Timmy just said about the over 100 metres for Manly, mm four times out of 15 games and he backs it up here in origin that just yeah. sums up off the back of that is there anything manly can take from origin jake trebojevic that they can put Mate, into their game i say you? it every week i say it every week i don't think manly use him correctly mm. i think they make him get through way too much fucking work he does all the cleanup work it's kind of like tino on the top at the titans like get they make they don't make him but like they almost like well He's the only guy capable of doing this. So he's the guy that gets the job of doing all the shit work. But I agree. Manly should be looking at this game and going, we've got a fucking absolute mm. thoroughbred on our hands here. And we're using him to make 50 tackles a game and not get through any of the fun stuff. Like, I don't understand. Oh, I think Des and Adam O'Brien should be watching this series sort of going, fuck, we need to change how we're using <laughs> mm. KP and how yeah. we're using Jake as well. KP's been outstanding. He's been, mate, at halftime, I was like, he is the man of the series. Yep. And you look at game one and all the big plays, KP was involved in yep. some way, shape or form. His pass to Cobo, I know it went to the deck, but it was still the right option. Cobo picks it up, we score a try. His pass to Valentine Holmes, his tackle on Isaiah Yo at the end there. KP's been outstanding. He's flourishing under Billy Slater. But yeah, Jake Trevojevic for me, just when you talk about the moments in origin that make origin, it's moments like that. An older bloke that's, you know, what is he, 27, 28 now? that you think, oh, maybe the game has passed him by, and you go, no, no, there's way more to origin than just the, mm. the I guess, the stats of everything. Mm. You know, that's what he proved. He proved that there's so much more to rugby league than statistics. Even though he came out and he had that big game, if you looked at his statistics before the origin series, you'd be like, there's no way this bloke's getting selected. If you just looked at his stats, then he comes out in origin and he just brings so much heart that you'd almost argue... Freddie must be sitting there going, I'm never dropping him again. Yeah. Like, I can never drop this bloke again. Uh, so, look, massive game from Jake Trevojevic. And he just, 
he he did. He brought that heart back to New South Wales. That that aggression, that grunt. Like it wasn't just his running. Like the amount of times he chopped blokes in their tracks. Like where that that first contact was immediate and it was brutal. It was straight away boom, chopping blokes. He did that at least four or five times. And to stop the momentum like that in a tackle, it's so important because what New South Wales did really well and Penrith did really well. They were so good at winning the first contact then also dragging the Queensland players back. Yep. Penrith do it constantly. They always win the first contact, but they don't stop their job there. They, they hold you up and they literally drag you back. And the momentum of your set gets absolutely annihilated. It's almost, the whole set's over almost. You need a big run from someone to change everything. Um, so Jakey, yeah, he was a huge part of that. Um, I thought Cam Murray was outstanding. I thought he really added a lot of uh, energy to the edges there as, as well as um, his defense was really good. 28 tackles, only one miss. Um, Isaiah Yeo is always like, fuck, he's just a constant threat, a constant threat. Um, yeah, outside of that, I thought Toto and Tupo were absolutely incredible. Listen to this. This is what the, your outside backs did, your, your wingers did. Toto, 261 <laughs> meters, 101 post contact. That's right. Toto actually ran for more post contact than, than most of the Queensland side Jesus. outside backs. So the most outside of Kalen, Murray uh, Tualangi, Tualangi ran for 108 metres. Toa run for 101 post-contact metres. So the Blues back three, mm. they ran for 726 metres and 242 post-contact. Mm. Queensland's ran for 295 metres and 78 post-contact. Crazy. That's where the game's won and lost. Yeah. Like, how, how are you going to beat a team that has 60% possession but runs for, what, three times your metres yep. in the backs? And I, I, unfortunately, I just thought the Queensland's backs this this game. Last game, they were incredible. This game, I, I didn't think they had the best the best game. In the first 15 minutes of the second half, I kept track from half time the metres they were all at. In the first 15 minutes of the second half, Teddy ran for 100 metres, Tupu ran for 70, and Toto ran for 80. Fuck. In the first 15 minutes yeah. of the second half. Crazy crazy and it's just like what's it's it's the penrith method of like you just rest your front rowers so they're all ready to go on defense because when you go and look at this is what queensland's starting forward pack ran for lindsey collins 47 meters benny hunt 58 meters josh papaliti 37 meters kurt cable 30 meters felice kafusi 41 tino 78 and that all stems from the New South Wales forward pack is so rested in defence that every tackle, they get massive line speed. But on top of that, every tackle there uh, got enough conditioning to wrestle, you know, the player the player back metres, literally losing metres. Um, it was a, a pure domination by New South Wales. And everything they tried to do game one, they managed to do in game two. Like they tried to do this in game one and Queensland matched it with him. And I thought Cotter was a huge reason for that because of his you know ability to, you know, he's laterally and he's a smaller player, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But yeah, the Blues, absolutely outstanding. Um, Junior Baller was outstanding. Thoughts on the Appy, um, Damien Cook um, situation. So Cook ended up playing 46 minutes. I think he came on at around the, the 34th minute, I think he came on. Yep. I actually liked it. I actually liked it. I thought that it was a real good way of going, okay, Cookie, instead of you paying 80 minutes and being gassed, go on there for, you know, 40, 45 minutes and just go hell for leather. And yeah, okay, like, did he have, you know, a crazy stats or whatever? No, but I thought outside of one pass, it was poor. All his execution was 
really high at a high rate and I think that comes down to fatigue like he wasn't fatigued to make those calls I thought also thought Appy Coruscant's defense in the first 20 was really good what do you think about that situation yeah I, I said last week that I'd have it the other way and I sort of still stand by that but I think that as you said the stats weren't great it really wasn't a game focus mm. where, where, when you're seven and you're six have have got the hot hand like, like the Blues <coughs> did uh, it really wasn't I, I think they combined for like 30 run meters or something yeah got these, like we spoke we spent half an hour last week talking about Running nines and this and that, it, it just wasn't well, the sort 13 of thirteen meters for Appy, eighteen yeah. meters for De- Cook, yeah. like so pretty much nothing. It, it just wasn't a game for the two nines, but they did their job. Their service was good for both of them. You said, uh, I think Cook. There was one wayward pun. I think there was another one. He was meant to go to Cleary. He went to Jerome Luai. Luai fucking skittled the defense and scored anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think we really got an answer out of which way they should run those hookers, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I do think that it, it did prove that having at 14 on the bench, though, works for a game plan. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Timmy? Yeah, and I think we, we mentioned last week, I personally would have was preferring sort of Cook to Appy. And, but if they were to start Appy and play him in that sort of starting 30, 35-minute role and then bring Cook on for the rest, more than happy with it. And mm. it worked well. As you said, they didn't have a massive influence on the game, but... It also wouldn't surprise me come game three if the Blues can get more forward dominance, or as they did in game two, mm. to see either of them two, particularly Cook coming onto a tie defence, carving yeah. up and having more impact in attack. Mm. Uh, and I think it worked well. I mean, it's off the back of a winning result. Mm. You'd be funny to change it, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I also think that, you know, the way they've decided to play, when you've got outside backs taking so many scoots, like outside backs are usually better scooters than hookers. They're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. Mm. Um, usually, like obviously Cook can sometimes be better, but even then, like who would you rather scoot now, Toa or Cook? Probably Toa. Yep. Um, and I think that the game plan does actually revolve around just high quality service to your halves, allow Cleary to do what he needs to do. But if something does pop up, obviously take that opportunity. So outside of that, an absolutely outstanding performance uh, by the Blues. Now let's get to some tough decisions that need to be made. Matty Burton, I thought Crichton, you know, Outside of uh, the one missed tackle on Ponga, I thought he was solid. But you've got Burton, Crichton, Latrell Mitchell, Jackie Whiten, all battling for a centre spot next game, game three. Timmy, who are you going for game three in your centres for the Blues and 14? Tell you what, it's a good position to be in, isn't it? Um, I don't think you can drop Matty Burton off Mm. the back of how good he was in game one and particularly looking to the future, like, the bloke's got to be there for the next mm. 10 years, doesn't he? Uh, oh, man, it's only one game, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but what we've seen so far. So I think I'd keep Matty Burton on the left. Guru made a good point about uh, just the kicking styles and being his suit at that side because of his kicking boot. So I'd keep him on the left. Stephen Crichton, probably a bit harsh in such a big win, but I don't think he was fantastic again. I think he had a, a few deficiencies there, attack and defence. So off the back of not being great in game one as well, I think he'll benefit a lot from the experience and he has a big future for the Blues. But for the time being, I'd be happy to drop him out to make way for either Luttrell or Jackie Whiten. Now, I don't know what they do with Jack Whiten because Luttrell, it's a sit, I'm going to sit on the fence on it because mm. we need to see how he comes back. You know, he hasn't mm. played since he's about round five, had a lengthy stint out. If he comes back and kills it for the Bunnies this weekend against Parramatta, he's only got one chance to impress before Origin 3. Mm. Well, then... I'd pick him because I think he's that good and that important to the Blues. We mentioned it last week, but playing centre, we don't need him to get through 20 runs. He can have five, 10 runs and be as efficient as if he'd played all season. Mm. 
whether if he does that and then you, you sort of work out where you've got to fit in Jack White and, yeah. and the fact that we've now got the the hookers there with Cook and Appy who we've just said we'd probably stick with again mm. well do you put Cook on the bench and then like a Jackie White and his utility you're leaving yourself pretty light on so mm. if Latrell kills it and we go him and Burton Jack White and like could be the most unlucky man out you've nearly mm. ever seen. Do you think there's a chance where you replace Talakai with Whiten and he does a similar job? Possibly. And it'd come back to your old throwaway from about round seven, wouldn't it? Like, do you bring Jack on as a, as a roaming lock? Um, yeah. And we ch- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I still don't know because I haven't yeah. seen it, but yeah. you know maybe you can do that. Like mm. He's a big enough body. We know how hard he whacks in D. Yep. Uh, he could be perfect for that role. So mm. in that sense, yes. It'll be whether or not when Freddie and him sit down and go, Jack, can you come on and play that 13 role for... Yeah. It'd only have to be for 20 minutes. Like, it wouldn't yeah. have to be big minutes. We saw Talakai play, what, 20-odd last night. Yeah. Well, put it this way. Like, the, the reason why I say that is, like, let's say, let's, in a, a different world, last night, Whiten was brought on instead of Talakai for that 20 minutes. Would have Whiten done much worse job? Probably not, I don't think. No. Like, was, was Talakai so good that you got you got to get him back in that side? Like, does he offer so much defensively or like is there something in his game that is so much better than Jackie Whiten that Jackie can't do like I think Jackie can defend in the middle I think he's a big enough body like okay yes he's nowhere near as big as Talakai he's not going to bust anywhere near as amount of tackles but a he covers a lot of positions like basically there's not a single position you don't have covered now if you've got Jackie Whiten on the bench there is not a single injury that's going to bother you Mm. pretty much um and so that's where I think maybe you could get away with it, having him in Talakai and you treat him as a forward rather than a back. Um, but it's a really tough put, one. Put it this way, sorry, before. Yes. With the, you look at him coming on in that role, Queensland have done it for years with blokes like, was it Cooper Cronk back in the day, with DCE, with Ben Hunt before he sort of made more of that shift to hooker mm. where they'd come on and play in the middle. Yeah. Jack White and hits harder than every one of them blokes. So like he's an animal in defence. We mm. know he's capable of doing an attack. So Queensland did it so successfully for so many years. I don't see why the more we read into it and talk about it, that he can't do that for a 20 minute period. And the other thing that benefits us is that we've got big minute forwards. Like Jakey Chaboyevich can play big minutes in the middle. Um, Junior Paulo did it last night. He played huge minutes in in one big stint there. Payne Haas can play big minutes. So I think that allows you to maybe a little light on on the bench. Guru, keen to get your thoughts, mate, because it's a tough one. Mate, the game finished 12 hours ago, and I've had this conversation with four people. <laughs> and I still, I'm, still not, I'm still in an absolute pretzel working out what's going on. Um, I think the Matt Burton has to stay on the side, and I think if you pick a Matt Burton anywhere but left centre, it's a waste. Mm. You can't possibly move him, so I think he has to stay on the left side. Get over to the right side. As you said, Latrell's got one game against Parramatta. If Latrell gets through that game, I think I pick Latrell. Mm. As far as the Jack White and thing goes, it's tough because as much as you said, would he have made that much difference if he was there instead of Siffer? No, he wouldn't. But in that game, he wouldn't. The game was over when when Talakai came on. Mm. I don't think it's going to be like but that. Do you, but, but even let's say the game's in the balance. Is Talakai a much better defender? Probably not. 
No, but I just think that if you run with Jack White in there, you, 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 you're talking about putting him on as a as a 13. Do you take Isaiah Yo off then? No, I, I just, you put him on as a, a front rower or something. Like, yeah. as in, in the middle, Isaiah Yo stays on, but you just put him in the middle. Get line speed. He's big enough in the middle. Uh, that's what I'm like. What does Talakai bring that is so hectic that Whiten can't do? I would actually say laterally in the middle, Whiten would be fitter. He's probably a better defender. Um, he's obviously not as good ball runner. Uh, and so, although Talakai, honestly, he's such a handful, such a handful. I just don't see what he offers that White can't cover. Like all the things that you would worry about when it comes to big bodies, like, uh, like Talakai is a centre right now, playing in centres. Yes, he's played in the middle, but Whiten's played in the middle at, at times too. And so I don't see that much of a difference. I, I really don't. Now, I don't understand. Let's say instead of Talakai, you had RCG on the bench. I'd be like, oh, okay, I understand why not. Because RCG is like an out-and-out front rower. Whereas a guy like Talakai, he's almost similar to Whiten. He can play centre. Mm-hmm. He can play in the middle. I just don't know if there's that much of a difference. Yeah, I, I just feel like if he was to do that and if we lost, you know, I, I feel like that there'd be a 10 or 15-minute period where there would be one front row on the field. There'd be Isaiah Yo and then Jack Whiten. If the Maroons forward pack got on top during that, I feel like there'd be a lot of fucking hindsight heroes sitting here saying, oh, why do you only have one front rower on the field? Mm. I feel like it, it could blow up in your face very quickly. We'll blow in your face one. the other way, though. Like, if, if you lose and you yeah. don't pick White, and you're like, yeah. why didn't you pick your fucking form, your best player from game one? Yeah. but so I, Either yeah. way. Yeah. I, I, the thing that makes it hard is, is that the, the hookers did work well. That's mm. what makes it hard. Like, yeah. if you could pick White at 14... That'll make your life so much that fucking will, easier. Yeah. That, that's but so much that's easier. the thing. Like, there's there's going to be one really good player that's going to miss out on this side, whether mm. it is Whiten, whether it's Burton or Latrell. Because like this is this is the bench that you, bench you would have if you brought Whiten. You'd have yep. Cook, Crichton, Bolo, and Whiten. Like, I don't. You could do it. I think you could do it. I and, really do. Bolo yeah. and Crichton can play front row as well. I think it was pretty evident last night. He wanted to play. Yeah, I, I don't know. He wanted to play Isaiah Yo for the whole eighty minutes last night. He came on in the last ten minutes. I, I, I'm not keen on the idea of only having one front row on the field. I understand where you're coming from, but in a decider, fuck, I think it's a big punt. Yeah, I, I, I don't really see Telekai as a front rower. Like, I, I don't think he's an outright front rower. No, but I'm also mean for a twenty minute period where. You are going to be short someone in the middle, but this this is this is uh, Queensland bench: Harry Grant, Jai Arrow, Paddy Carrigan, Jeremiah Nanai. Carrigan's a thirteen at club. Arrow's not a front rower. Nanai's not a front rower. Harry Grant's obviously not a front. Yeah, rower. but you've got Carrigan and Arrow, Arrow who have played in the front row and have handled themselves. So is, so is Crichton. So is yeah, obviously okay, yeah, Junior yeah, Baller. Yeah. It's more so about how do you actually get him on. Oh, I'm worried about the time when he's on the field. I feel like you're trying to get Jack on the field somewhere just because he's. He's played well, which I understand, mm. but I, I I just don't think it's a great fit for that twenty minutes through the middle. I believe I think that'll be a big time where Queensland could r- really get on the front foot. You, you're throwing Jack White into an Origin side in a position you've never fucking seen him play before. Mm. I, I think it's a big punt. Personally. Yeah, I think Queensland did a fair bit. Like we we brought players, yeah, we brought Kalen the Immortals around. Yes, you did. Kalen Ponga, <laughs> Kalen Ponga came on. Was it two thousand and eighteen? Eighteen. Um, and was, so we we had what Cam Smith left there, Billy Slater had retired. Cam Smith had had gone, but Slater was playing. Slater that was game. there. So when they had Slater still left there, and he came on in the middle and killed it. Mm. I think it's with these great players like Whiten is an Origin player. I, th- I think he'd I think he'd do the job. I really do because like you look at the stats was um, Talakai. He was on for seventeen minutes. He had four runs, thirty three meters, two tackle breaks, three tackles. I just can't see an area where Whiten's not going to do yeah. the job. Well, there, I actually think he's going to offer a bunch of line speed, super aggressive ball runner. 
Um, I also think it's tough in the modern game with your HIAs and everything. If you do lose a middle forward, I, I think you'll find yourself short very quickly. Mm-hmm. There was, what was there, four HIAs last night. Thankfully, they all were able to come back. But I, yeah, I understand where you're both coming yeah. from. And I'll, if Jack comes out and does a good job there, I won't be shocked. I didn't push back on J- Jack playing 13 when you said it six weeks ago. But I, I just think you are leaving yourself a little bit short there and taking a bit of a punt coming into an origin mm. decider. And put it this way, I think we, we've mentioned how we'd maybe go about it, but Freddie loves Jack White. That's, that's why I'm, we, I wouldn't yeah, be pushing this yeah, hard if yeah. Freddie didn't love we, Jack we, White. We saw that game one picking at centre. He comes out and he's the Blues Player of the match, mm. basically. Yeah. He misses a game because of COVID. It wasn't dropped or injured or anything. Yeah. So he comes back, he'll be fine, provided mm. he's got through COVID, all right, and we'll see that this weekend. So I think it'd take a blinder from Latrell this week for Freddie not to go with probably Burton and Jack White in at centre. Yeah, that's that's what we're going to get to, is the Latrell situation. I, I actually think it's not a sure thing that he gets selected. I actually think... Look, he's one of the great origin players. The, the, cons- the problem is, is like, it all just depends how he plays on the weekend. And yeah. the Rabbitohs are struggling right now. And if he comes out and kills it, you go, yeah, 100%. I mean, matter of fact, he goes so far as to go, even if Burton has to miss out, you bring Latrell back in and you say, next, next year, Burton, you'll get mm-hmm. your crack, don't worry. Or you move Burton to 14 or, or whatever you do. Um, but I just, I think that Freddie Fitler has already dropped Latrell four white and once. Back in the, you know, kept white and whatever. Not to say that he's doing it in this, this cage. What I'm saying is, is like, clearly Freddie doesn't just automatically select Latrell. But it does seem like Freddie automatically selects white. Mm. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see if he can push white out of that centre position. Do you carry Latrell on the bench? He's fucking definitely big enough. Do you put him in that Talakai position? He's, he's definitely big enough. He'd be fucking... It'd be scary off the bench, actually, if you put him in the middle there for 20 minutes. If Freddie picks Jack at centre, are we are we confident putting him at right centre? Is, is he just too much of a good player? He's going to be, like, he's, I've never seen him on the sorry, right Sorry, Latrell or... Sorry, one. Jack. If, if he picks yeah. Jack at right centre... Yeah. I think we, he'd do a job. Yeah. I think he'd do a job. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he's a side... I think he's an energy player. Like, okay. it's not... Um, yeah, look, it's a great... It's a great concern to have, like... It, trying to fit Latrell into a side like he's serious <laughs> we'll say as well Freddie in the past has brought back players after just one or two games he brought back Turbo in 2019 mm. after he was injured and he brought back in the same game Wade Graham after he'd just come back from his ACL so Freddie's definitely not a stranger to bringing someone back after just one game yeah it's going to be interesting I per- I personally would have Latrell like it depending how he goes this week if he looks a bit underdone this week obviously I would say it's just too soon mate you've played fucking five games in whatever, six or seven months. But I personally would be selecting Latrell. Like, he, no one can do what Latrell can do. If Latrell comes out against Parramatta, gets best on ground, mm. where do you pick him? In the centre, starting centre. Yeah, yeah. And then you would put Jack on the bench? No, I, I would just, like, I would just say, unfortunately, just doesn't fit the side. Like, sorry, man, you, like, you, Burton <laughs> was outstanding. Latrell is, like, a generational talent. Um I probably, but I, I just know how much Freddie loves Jackie yeah. Whiten. Uh, and I'll it, put it this way, whether it's Burton or Whiten, one of them is super unlucky and probably deserves to be there off their, the way they played. Sometimes you just get put up against a guy like a Latrell Mitchell who can do wonders. Because I, I think we probably also need to take into consideration the Canberra Raiders play the St. George Illawarra Dragons. That's mm. probably a must-win game for them. Yeah. Like if Jack puts in a big performance there. I will say though that like, no matter how good Jack played game one, do we remember how good Latrell played for yeah, three no, games last us. series, yeah, yeah. you know? So it's like, okay, if we're going to lean on White or Burton's performance in one game, then why aren't we leaning on the three games last year for 
Latrell Mitchell, which were fucking amazing. Well, I kind of am leaning on those three, yeah. to be honest. I, I personally would have him there, but I can understand if Freddie is going to move people around. And I'm not... Um, I could see him doing a job as that extra front rower. Like, not as a front rower, but 20 minutes on the field, just go hell for leather. I know it's a bit light, but I just think that what he... The, the intangibles that he brings... For 20 minutes, I think he can withstand that physical, the physicality. If it was for like 40, 50 minutes, I do think eventually he's going to get rolled on. But for 20 minutes, just going out there, getting massive line speed, I think he could probably handle it. But it's going to be super interesting. I mean, what a tough decision from Freddie. What a tough decision. Let us know what you guys think in the comment section. Who would your, uh, who would your centers be? And what would your bench be in regards to Jackie or Latrell? Or whatever? I think that's the other thing that'll be playing on Freddie's mind. He'll go, fuck, okay. I didn't pick Ryan Pappenhausen a couple of years ago. Tedesco got injured. And you all told me I was a fucking moron for not picking Pappy. Mm. If I pick a center slash 5'8 on my bench and I get a, a couple of front rowers that get HI8 or whichever, whichever, which with Jesus Christ, I'm just have a seizure, which isn't that <laughs> unusual um, when it comes to the NRL nowadays. Like, fuck, he could wear a lot of backlash for it. No, I just – I don't see Whiten as a normal centre, though. Like, I I see him as a body of a wide-running forward. He's a big fucking boy. Yeah. So, I, I think we just view Whiten a little bit differently. Like, I don't see him I, – I, I, the way he plays, the way he runs is like a wide-running forward for me. Um, and when I look at – you know, for example, when I look at uh, Queensland's bench, it's not a very big bench. Um, and it wasn't that big game one either. But um, – because, like, for example, like Talakai, let's say there is a head knock uh, in the front row. Can you see him playing long minutes as front row? Yeah, probably not. So, yeah. Well, he, he wouldn't. Cam Murray would shift into the middle, I think. Yeah. yeah and then he'd go on the edge. But yeah. even so, it's just like, yeah. It's you chuck Crichton in there, right? for sure, I yeah, reckon. Crichton plays big yeah, minutes Crichton in could probably play 80 in the That's middle. I mean, they've all got big minutes in Yeah, there. yeah, for so sure. It's, it's really interesting. Table. I don't know what the answer is. I honestly don't. Because every every single one, whether it's Burton, Whiten in the centres, Latrell, Burton, or Latrell, Whiten, and Burton, you know, maybe maybe he goes loyal and he says Burton, um, and he just says to Burton, sorry, mate, but, like, you know, you're the newest kid on the block. You're going to get your crack next mm. year. But for now, we've got to go with White because he's been a part of the system and obviously Latrell has done what Latrell's done at origin level. But I don't, I don't know, man. I fucking don't know what the right answer is. <laughs> Wouldn't you be nervous if you're Parramatta this weekend? Oh, he's yeah. He's coming off the back fence, yeah. playing for an origin jersey. It's going to be interesting to see how Latrell, because he's a competitive guy. And yeah. he's, you know, again, he'd be sitting there going, boys, you know, and he's, you know, personally, although he'd be happy for the boys, I'm sure he'd be sitting there going, well, you know, yeah, he's played well, but... Let's let's have a look at my origin resume. Mate, he he commented on one of my things last night within a minute. Yeah, no, he loves Burton it. Burton can have the four. <laughs> he loves it. Yeah, good. I love that shit. That's what you want. And also, like he does, like when we talk about built for origin, like I know he had that one series where he didn't play the best, but Latrell has the mungle and the grunt in him for origin. Like he lives for that stuff. Uh, I think that's the other thing that matters to me is the fact that it is in Suncorp. We're going to need something special. Yeah. I just feel like when you look back to last year, like obviously Latrell and Turbo, they are those guys that you can just flick the ball to them. They can be nothing on and they can create something out of nothing. And mm. I understand the the match fitness argument, but just Latrell on every big stage outside of that one, that game that he struggled in 2020 yeah. or whatever it was, he's delivered huge moments in yeah. all of those games. Oh, yeah. As I said, I think I think what's funny is like I think all three of us agree that we don't know what the right yep. decision is. We all agree? Yeah. No, I just don't know. And what I do think you... if you were to sit Freddie here right he's now, probably he'd probably be like, fuck, I don't oh, know. I don't know right now. Yeah. What do you reckon, Matty? Yeah, it's I'm kind of with you guys. 
if I had to pick, I'd Latrell's in my team. I just we've won two deciders at Suncorp ever. And yep. he's, you know, made for made for those big moments. I reckon Whiten's probably gonna be the unluckiest eighteenth man of all time. Um I reckon if if he does doesn't go with Whiten, I reckon he'll be eighteenth man because he's probably probably the perfect eighteenth man, but I know it doesn't mean Nico a lot. Nico Hines. Nico Hines is the most unlucky bloke ever. Oh, His yeah. form this year has been incredible. Can't get a look in. Yeah, I'd probably go Whiten. Uh sorry, I'd probably go Latrell and Burton as as Latrell Burton as my senders. Yeah. I, I didn't think of um uh, Whiten on the bench over Siffa. And I, I reckon a lot of people haven't thought of that. It's not not bad to think about. Yeah, and look, I understand there's going to be some people that are like, fucking idiot, shut up. It, it's more like I'm not locked into that. It's just like looking for options, mm. understanding that Freddie loves Jack Whiten. Whereas if it was, if that relationship wasn't there, it'd be like, what? Why? Why push the envelope so much for one guy? So, and anyway. it has been the old saying in State of Origin for a long time. I think Jack Gibson used to say it used to, you pick the best 17, then you find them positions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's you know, look at uh, Matty Burton. He's a he's a six. And I know he played a year at centre, but he's playing at six. Goes to centre, he's killing it. Jackie Wyden, mm. playing at six, goes to centre, kills turbo it. Turbo last year. Uh, turbo, Took yep, absolutely. Back to Latrell Mitchell. Position. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, look, incredible performance by New South Wales. <clears throat> they look back. They look ready to go. Uh, they look... They look just as damaging, not maybe not just as damaging as last year, but they look like the team we expected them to be uh, this game last night. Can I ask you as a Queenslander, what's the centre pairing that would worry you the most? Well, fuck, it's just so tough to say because like if it's a, a fit, angry Latrell, yeah. Latrell is the scariest centre in the game bar none. It'll definitely be an angry, angry Latrell. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it'll be a fit. And yeah. so if it's a fit, if it's a fit Latrell, Honestly, the only guy that I would sit there and go, I would be confident he could mark GI, it's Latrell Mitchell. So 100%, I do not want Latrell to be fit and angry. But it's just a matter of like reality too in physics. Like he hasn't played any yeah. footy for so long. Like yeah. he's, he's, there's only so much he can do with his body. Um, so I don't know what the answer is, bro. I honestly don't. And Jackie White tore us apart game one. So, and Matty Burton scares the fuck out of me because he's got a crazy boot. So. This would actually be the first time where it would be great if Freddie brought all three into camp and didn't tell us who it was going to be until that. <laughs> yeah. This is the one time I'd yeah. love Freddie to outthink the room. Yeah, outthink the room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>